Good afternoon, Jay Stansel here from Product Coalition. I'm really excited to be doing another Product People interview uh, this afternoon here in Melbourne. Um, I'm very fortunate to have uh, Ty Ahmed Taylor, who's a CEO and President at THX Limited. Um, Ty's got a fantastic background and um, years of experience in, in product management. Uh, lots of media and entertainment uh, experience in there as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to be able to have 20 minutes with Ty, talk about product management from his experience and through the lens he looks at, at the industry through and, um, and learning, learning as we go. So Ty, welcome and thank you so thank much you. for gi giving some time. Um, to me and to the audience. Um, could you start with a bit of an introduction to yourself and, and your, your career and um, a little bit then into what you're doing at the moment um, as CEO and, uh, at THX? Sure. Uh, so historically I've worked at a mix of very large companies and then at smaller companies that were ultimately acquired by the large companies. So a blend of startups and then larger, larger media companies. Uh, the core problem that I've been trying to solve across all of the companies, oddly enough, is getting people uh, uh, access to the information and entertainment that matters to them most. And that's sort of been the thread that's sort of tied together all the experiences. And that spans the gamut from sort of larger companies like the New York Times, where I was a reporter there, to uh, companies like Comcast, where I was helping with the electronic programming guides so to figure out what to watch. Uh, Comcast is a large cable operator in the United States. Uh, to Viacom, where, where we were broadcasting, allowing people to get access to the music that matters to the most through the visual realm. Uh, and then last, you know, at Samsung, uh, I was interested in getting people access to the entertainment that mattered to them through TV sets uh, and the visual display group while I was there. And I was actually living in Korea for two years doing that and bringing sort of a product development ethos to a 84,000 person company that used traditional uh, waterfall techniques and, and uh, you know, I, I distributed Eric Reese's lean startup within the company and right. uh, mobilized people to think about solving customer problems first. From a startup perspective, I, I worked at a company called At Home, which was, I was the 43rd employee. It grew to 1,600 employees by the time that I left. Uh, I took a year off and went to cooking school in, in the UK and uh, uh, it was an, an Aussie Malaysian cooking school actually run by wow. a, an Australian woman named Prudence Lee uh, in, uh, in, in London, yeah. And then I came back to another startup called Meta TV, which was eventually acquired by, by Comcast. And then I did my own startup around sports aggregation, so you can get the sports news around your favorite sports teams, whether it be the All Blacks, Boo Hiss, or the Australian national team, as you see fit. Uh, and uh, most recently, I joined THX a little bit over a year ago. And our remit essentially is providing high-quality audio-visual experiences. We were founded by George Lucas with the advent of Return of the Jedi in 1983. And I sold the company last month to Razer, which is sort of one of the preeminent uh, gaming hardware companies. And they're taking a venture capital approach to the investment and letting us uh, run independently and, and hope, hoping and, and providing me the support that I need to sort of extract the most value uh, uh, as a business and solve our customer problems. Fantastic. <laughs> um, there's so much there. To be honest, I could think we could talk about for an hour or so uh, about so many of those experiences. Um, when when um, we were chatting before we set this interview up, you said 
that um, you're, you're a product-focused CEO. And could you talk a little bit more around what, what that means to you and the differentiation between that and other types of CEOs? Sure. Well, uh, you'll forgive me if I seem like I'm going off topic, but I'm not. Uh, you know, in the recent American election, there was a, a, a vote for a change in control and party control. And I was explaining to my children that the that vote uh, was aligned primarily around educational lines, meaning those who had gone to university or college and those who had not. And I said one of the benefits of going to university is the opportunity to extend, understand the, the scientific method, which is conducting experiments and then assessing the result. And coming up as I did through product development, it became clear to me that the purpose of business is to solve customer problems. Uh, in academia, you're trying to solve academic problems with real-world applications, depending upon your, your, you know, what you major in. But in, 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 in product-focused organizations and being a product-focused CEO, I see business through the lens of what customer problems are we trying to solve? How big a market is there for that problem? How much of that market can we capture? And then the actual product itself is actually your thesis or your idea around how you can actually go about solving the customer problem. But I think it's most important to articulate what that problem might be. And then the way that you conduct your, your business affairs is being operationally crisp and having the ability to conduct multiple experiments to get the product market fit, which is basically making sure that your thesis matches the customer problem that you've identified and, and, and also allows you, has the dimension to allow you to capture the market share that you've identified in the target market. I love the analogy. Um, very interesting right, way of, um, of putting it. Do, do you foresee, if the world is the way it is now, um, more of a rise of CEOs who come from product backgrounds? Well, I, I think the unfortunate thing is that a lot of CEOs would like to believe that they're product focused, but they don't okay. identify customer problems. And so there's a famous Steve Jobs quote that a lot of people follow, and they, but they only listen to the front part of the quote. And his quote is that if you ask a customer, and this is a, a, a paraphrase, but if you ask a customer, they're never going to identify a great new product that you should put together. And most people focus on that and they use that to engage in what they believe to be jobs in flights of fancy with regards to how they deliver products. You know, very much like Venus sprung forth from beside its head in the ocean. They're like, you know, I have great ideas and these great ideas are always <laughs> going to take the company forward. And yeah. I think what's really important to note is the, is the second part of the quote, which is, he says, that's why I hire great people to figure these things out for me. Right. right. And so while the purpose of a business may be to solve customer problems and the purpose of a product is to solve those customer problems and to evaluate how you can do so, the real purpose of running a business is actually putting people who work in the company on your team in the best position to succeed. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people focus on the first half of that, not on the second half of it. And it's actually being organizationally and operationally crisp. And setting people up to succeed is really the, the, the key to unlocking access to finding product market fit, from my perspective. Okay. It's quite interesting when you talk there about um, surrounding yourself with, with people, you know, the right people. Um, when I think of still many C-suites in large businesses, there's the CEO who may not be from a product background, the CIO and uh, COO. And that chief product officer role exists in some instances and not others. Do you feel that that, again, deserves a seat at the, at the table in, in the C-suite? It, 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 it should drive the way, the, the way the company is focused. 
You know, it's my view that there are, there are four core areas of competency within a company. There's a general manager who has to, actually has to be able to dabble in all of the things we've talked about, whether it's product engineering, user experience design, or business development and partnerships. But you know, the substrate that exists is there's a product substrate, there's an engineering substrate, there's a user experience design substrate. Even if you're making clothes, you know, there's still what is the, what do the stores look like? How do they function? And what do the clothes look like? Right. And then there's also a business development and partnerships function wrapped around all of that is marketing in terms of demand generation. But I've never seen a very successful company that is solely focused on brand and marketing at the expense of product or what customers actually experience. And I've never seen a company that is purely engineering driven and has no product focus. Again, if you view as I do that the, the purpose of business is to solve customer problems, then the product not only has to have a seat at the table, but should be the, you know, the engine in the car, so to speak. Brilliant, brilliant. When we talk about um, solving customer problems, uh, for you at THX, how do you identify those problems and, and, and discover them? Well, uh, so part of it is, is uh, using analytics, part of it is customer development, part of it is, is, is heuristics. Okay. But, it, you know, what, what we found on the survey side of things, that if you ask people about, you know, what are they looking for when they go to the cinema or, or what are they looking for when they purchase consumer electronics equipment, um, by and large, uh, people who are not familiar with us as a brand are looking for how cheap is something. So that's the customer who's going into Costco or you know an associated big box retailer elsewhere in the world and saying, what's the biggest TV set or screen I can get for the lowest amount of money if they're interested in buying a TV set? And so what we found is that customers who are familiar with us as a brand, they actually put uh, uh, quality first, features second, and then price third. So it's an inversion of usual uh, 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 pricing assessment or consideration model. Okay. And so within that matrix, you know, we view our goal and, and the thing that we can do is how do we provide superior audiovisual experiences? More importantly, how do we allow customers to find those? Okay. And when you've, when you've discovered something, a, a problem to solve for a customer, can, can you talk a bit, little bit around um, what's ways of working um, for you in then testing that either in a very lean way um, or testing that through and integrating it into the existing life cycle of the product if it's, uh, you know, for instance, a feature. Um, can you talk a little bit about ways of working? Sure. So uh, one of it is based upon experience. Like I've already made uh, a number, any number of mistakes making products of my own in the past. So I sort of know what, what, what things to avoid. Okay. Uh, you know, multiple steps to provide a, a commonly used feature is usually, a, you know, the death knell of any product. Um, if you're not getting, if people aren't talking about it, that's usually the death knell of product. So I know that the things to avoid. And then again, using a set of heuristics, interviews, and analytics, I think you can come upon a solution that, that you know, gets to you to 25 or 50% of product market fit. And then you can optimize based upon that. Okay. Brilliant. Um, I, I would like to talk a little bit around, uh, and, I, and just before we were on this call, I, I was reading through some of your decks on LinkedIn, and I recommend um, checking out some of the decks Ty's put on SlideShare and, and having a read through. Um, one of them was around um, getting out of middle management um, yeah. and, and jobby jobs, which is definitely deserves a trademark. Um, and I, I look at a, a, pro, a product manager, um, which in some instances is a, can be a middle management job, but not all of the time. Um, and I look at yourself 
as a, holds a title of CEO with a product background. Is that a job that you go looking for to make that transition? Or is it one that finds you through good product management practices and networks over time? So it's, I would say yes. Okay. The is both. <laughs> and I became, I mean, I became the CEO of my small startup simply because I had a product need, a personal product need. And I did, I did customer analysis and found that other people had the same need, which is okay. how do I track the news and information around my favorite teams. And so the only way for me to achieve that in a way that made sense for me was to build a company to do so. I will say that it's by happenstance that I developed the business development side of things. So there are many paths to going through product and I came through a design path. Okay. Um, and I was a reporter before, and then somebody allowed me or gave me the chance to learn programming uh, when I joined my first startup, and that's not typical, so I learned programming there. And then yeah. two jobs after that, when I joined Comcast, I told them that I did product development, and they're like, oh, that's business development. I said, no, it's product development. They're like, that's great. You're going to do business development. And so they <laughs> had me do business development for two and a half years, and I was resentful at first, but it actually really sort of like uh, grew the skill set that I had. And I had to take things like financial cost accounting because I never, I don't have an MBA, but I had to learn how to read spreadsheets and also to generate financials for the things that I was doing. And so, you know, I don't know that I chose a path to be a CEO, but my background in both design, engineering, uh, product development, and then ultimately business development gave me that sort of uh, four legs of the stool that were necessary to be able to run a larger company. But it also validated my, my feelings that people are the most important resource that you can bring to bear. Right, okay. Um, when you talk about those, those four skills, uh, again, um, I know that was in one of your, your decks that you've shared there um, around um, business design, engineering, and uh, there was a fourth one, I can't remember. Um, uh, um, but User experience design, business development and partnerships, uh, engineering, and then product. Great. Um, it, it sounds like that, that takes time. Um, you couldn't yes. come straight out of university and just be good at all, all of those. Um, it, it takes time and, and patience and, and effort to want to be able to pick up those four different skill sets along the way. Which is why typically the best product folks that I know are people who have a little background because above all they can communicate well. And so I know right. people who are Russian, Russian classic, classics majors from Princeton and you know, that's, that's an unusual background, but they're some of the finest engineers that I've met, but they also have a really good product background. Wow. Uh, I, I did, I've written a story about Princeton as a school, and I didn't go there, so I'm not shilling for Princeton. But they, they turn out an uncommonly large number of fantastic product people. And in, my, in the course of interviewing, interviewing about nine people there, because I kept running into people who were in product who were from Princeton, what I determined is that the liberal arts college, sub-college within Princeton, is adjacent to the engineering school. And so they cross-pollinate, and so they take courses at, at one another's uh, uh, internal campi, and that's what exposes them to basically to broad-based thinking about solving problems. Brilliant. Wow. I didn't know. Um, I knew I would learn. Um, you mentioned earlier about your own startup. Um, could, could you talk a little bit around um, product managing on a day-to-day -day of your own startup it might have been maybe in the very first days when you were just validating versus um, product managing uh, for an enterprise product. Sure. So in my DMARC is that product development is what you do before a product becomes public. 
and then when it's public, you're engaged in public product management, unless you're completely off base, in which case you have to restart from scratch. Uh, so the core problem that we were trying to solve again is how do I find the news and information that's most important to me about my favorite sports teams. Uh, the challenge was is that I just come from Viacom, which uh, and I specifically was working on the brands for MTV, VH1, CMT, and Logo. And you know, at Viacom, you build these large temples to the brand, and people come because you have a television channel that's serving as a marketing vehicle to offload people into the digital websites. And so we spent six and a half months and built a website and absolutely nobody came to it. It's like building a very high-end, uh, very high-end uh, 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 shopping mall in Perth. I mean, Perth is lovely, but nobody's going there, uh, you know, <laughs> by and large. They're going to go to Sydney and Melbourne first. No offense to people in Perth. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we then, this is, that, so that was in the middle of 2009. So the iPad was coming out. So what we did is built a mobile app and an iPad app for when the iPad came out. And that had 20 times the time spent that we had on the website, which is fantastic, but still nobody was coming. Right. And there was then a light that went off that it was like, well, the company's not going to survive if we continue down this path of establishing this independent brand that nobody knows about. So why don't we distribute through the channels where people spend time, which is essentially social channels. So it wasn't important to me to, quote, unquote, own the real estate. I was happy to live on leased real estate, which is more along Fifth Avenue or downtown Melbourne or downtown Sydney or okay. pick your favorite city. And so what we did is distributed individual team news and information and, and discrete channels, both on Twitter and on Facebook. And that's when the company really took off. Fantastic. Okay, so it sounds like there were certainly some expensive le lessons learned there. Did, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> um, it, did, is there, do you feel that the product management or product managers globally are better at product management now than, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago? Is it, are we maturing? Are we getting better at it? Or, and if so, how? Well, it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, if you talk to me in the, in the mid-aughts, like 04, 05, 06, most of the people in product management are coming out of engineering. Um, and recently, in the last five years, I've seen a change where a lot of people going to product are newly minted MBAs, and so they're coming with a, a financial perspective uh, and, and then managing products. Um, they're both appropriate paths, but I think it's much more mature as a, as, a, as a product discipline. When you say lean techniques, no one's like, what are you talking about? Like, I need this. I might eat salads. You're like, no, that's not what we mean. Um, and so I think that there's, there's, we're much more conversant in the tools of the trade and, and the terms of art that apply to the discipline. I think the challenge comes, however, is that you have, there's organizational rigidity that doesn't allow for product because it's, it's like product does exist and sit on top of, not from a control perspective, but somebody's got to own the customer experience and that's what product does. And so they've got to sit on top of traditional engineering, hardware and software uh, and business development and user experience design, and people aren't really familiar with that. So I've seen uh, organizations with user experience design, engineering, and marketing, and business development, but they don't actually know how to then get a product pushed across the finish line because nobody ultimately owns the customer experience. So I think, you know, if you were to uh, convert it to a 24-hour day, we're sort of in the first hour or so. Right, okay. A lot to learn. I think um, it reminds me of a book. I'm trying to think of the title. I think it's along the lines of the inmates run the prison, um, and it talks about, um, and it was written 10, 15 years ago, around the control that engineers have over the world and technology, and um, 
obviously a lot's changed and mindsets have changed and as you were saying then the the experience now really has much more ownership than before it's not not just the technology solving a problem it has to be eloquently done etc um i was going to ask um taken on the job title of CEO and uh, I'm sure you've got a head of product or a president of product at THX is there anything you miss on the day to day um, that, that you don't get to do anymore as a CEO that you did as a product manager yeah talking to customers and doing okay. customer development and so uh, you know I do so on an informal basis uh, I so one of the things that we're working on are headphones for example so right now you're conducting the interview with me with in-ear headphones. Anecdotally, there's a feeling that women don't like over-the-ear headphones. So, you, you know, headphones that are full cans. Yeah. And so I, I was behind, sitting behind a woman on the plane and she had over-the-ear cans. And, I, and I, so I tapped her and she's like, well, you know, obviously my headphones on, I don't want to talk to you. But I said, you know, excuse me, I know you're listening to headphones. It's just unusual, um, you know, to see someone so enveloped in, 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 in a... Uh, in the bit of mechanics as you did, like you lovingly unfolded them out of their case. I'd just like to know a little bit more about, you know, your interest in over-the-ear headphones. Why did you buy them and what they meant to you? And so we had a pleasant 10-minute conversation and she wow. finished. She's like, you're really good at you're really good at your job. And I felt pretty, you know, I felt I felt really good about that or chuffed, as my British friends would say. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's rare that I get the opportunity to do something of that sort. Uh, right. You know, I've sold the last two smaller companies that I've been at, including THX, so I've now turned into corporate development guy. Uh, I, I did not plan to do so. <laughs> okay, I think it's good to know for anyone who's um, following a similar path, path as you that um, the sacrifices that have to be made. Um, talking about s selling a company, and I imagine it's uh, exactly the same for someone like yourself as it is for a startup founder. When you're selling your, a company, and obviously what the word selling means can be completely different depending on the nature of the sale. Um, how do you manage, and there's so many, it's so easy to, to love a product and to treat it like your baby, but when you sell a company and there may either to you or to your organization be a perception of the product might no longer be ours or we may no longer be able to shape it how we like, how do you manage that risk and that the culture around that um, and I suppose for me it's more so how you're doing that now with THX sure so uh, to answer your first question I think that when you're when you're selling a company you have to preserve a, a safe space for the product to continue as is if the if the owners have a different view about what you're doing then you have to look you look into yourself to make see if it makes sense for you personally and for what the company is built to do um, you know usually not in all cases, and, and not in the cases where I was involved, but usually mergers go poorly um, because they're not aligned around what what problem that they're solving. They're not aligned with putting people and human capital first. They're not aligned with uh, clear and transparent communications. And so I'm not saying that some people are uh, uh, deceitful, but I, if, if there's a misalignment on any of those issues, then you're going to have a misalignment about how you're running the company, and that's why mergers ultimately don't work out. So in my case, I wanted to preserve the core product that we were working on. So in the case of uh, FanFeeder, which was acquired by Samsung, uh, the work that we were doing for semantic entity analysis and extraction was ultimately deployed to the television set, though in a, in a much mutated form. But the legacy of the work that we that we were doing was preserved. 
with regards to THX and Razor, Razor is taking a hands-off approach to what we're doing. We'll work where it makes sense, but there's no sense of forced synergy, which ultimately can cause uh, long-term issues in terms of structural stability in the firm. Okay, great, great to know. Thank you. Um, coming in 2017 for media and entertainment industry, uh, um, stepping away from product management, uh, I'm sure, sure there's many product managers in that industry that followed Product Coalition. What, what, what's your outlook for 2017 um, when it comes to uh, your industry? You mean the media and entertainment industry? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to be beset by challenges. They, you know, paradoxically, um, people are not watching traditional TV as much as they have. Uh, however, there's never been more video consumed than there is right now. It's just being done in different formats than, than what is traditionally done. And so, you know, what's interesting to me is that uh, platforms like Facebook and, and, and to a lesser extent Twitter are viewing video not as a savior, but as really as an engine for growth. Um, Snapchat is the same way, or Snap as it's now known. And so I think uh, those companies are increasingly behaving like media companies in terms of they make money by time spent in the, in the advertising dollars that they sell. And, and media companies need to behave and act a little bit more like technology companies. And as those lines blur, um, you know, I think that there are lessons to be learned on both sides. For technology companies, it's engaging in, in a, dabbling a little bit in hit-driven businesses to sort of see what works and what sticks. And for, for media companies, it's making it as easy as possible for, for advertisers who are interested in attention and making it as easy as possible for them to buy across the demographics and people that matter to them most. And that the outlook and the opportunities on the table are for those that can most willingly adopt those uh, strategic vectors in terms of the way that they do their business and solve customer problems. Fantastic. Uh, certainly the ecosystems are getting more uh, intricate and complex um, <laughs> yeah. uh, is what I'm hearing there. Ty, thank, thank you so much for sharing some of your, your time this evening and for talking through um, all of those observations and angles around product management industry, running businesses, um, selling businesses, it's, it's been really good and um, I found it really insightful. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for your strong work in, in supporting the product community and getting the word out and educating us all about ways that we can do better. So I'm, I'm deeply thankful and appreciative of you making the time to speak with me and I'm hopeful that some of what I've said is of value to the folks who, who end up watching it. I'm sure it will be. Thank you very much, Ty. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. All right. You good? Okay. And that's Ty, CEO of THX Limited. Um, what a great 20, 25 minutes there with Ty um, seeing... Um, his angle on product management industry and business. Uh, I certainly found it um, a very different interview from previous sessions and uh, very rewarding and I feel very fortunate to have had 20 minutes, half hour of Ty's time. That's all from now. Um, I've got some more product interviews coming up this week and I look forward to sharing those with you. That's all from me, uh, Jay Stansel from theproductcoalition.com. Thank you.